0: This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. Sexy SatStackers, and welcome to the latest episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. You know, last week I made the joke that it seemed like there was a dip every weekend, every Sunday or every Monday, and that every time DCA Wednesday rolled around, Bitcoin was right back where it belonged in the $28,000, $29,000 range, and that maybe we should move DCA Wednesdays uh, to DCA Mondays or DCA Sundays. Of course, I mentioned that that was a joke and that you should not time the markets or try to time the markets because... That seems like that is how everyone just gets wrecked, right? Everyone thinks they are they can time the markets. Everyone thinks they have a crystal ball, and then they just get absolutely destroyed because Bitcoin or anything else, for that matter, uh, can act irrationally just when you think you have things figured out. So, I want to clarify was that was that was a joke. That is why we are doing DCA because, as I said, time in the markets beats timing the markets every time it's tried. And just to prove that point. Here we are on Wednesday, and today is the dip, so if for some reason you had um, started to feel like I did, like maybe we should do our DCAs on Mondays or Sundays because we'd be better off, uh, well, this just proves proves the thesis that uh, it's better to be consistent because you just never know. Along those lines, let's take a quick look at the vital statistics. Today is Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. Of course, that means it is DCA Wednesday, and we currently find ourselves at a block height of... 789,159. And as I alluded to, the price of Bitcoin in US dollar terms is down a bit. It is currently ringing in at 27,655 US dollars per Bitcoin or 3,616 sats per dollar. And that is about, well, it's about $1,400 less than it was last Wednesday. There was kind of a flash crash I saw earlier where Bitcoin had Depending on what where you're getting your price information, it dropped all the way down to like twenty six thousand eight hundred or twenty six thousand seven hundred, and then bumped immediately back up. So it was like a one thousand dollar flash crash. Uh, sometimes those show up on uh, on the different exchanges, and they don't necessarily re- reflect reality. There's some sort of either it's either it's a glitch or it's an algorithm trade. Anyway, it lasts for fractions of a second sometimes, and it's. Not something you could have actually purchased. Even one time when I had a a limit order in, and a limit order is an order that you set to only fill if the price reaches a certain point. I had a limit order in that that should have triggered in one of those flash crashes, and it was so fast that um, they didn't fill my limit order. Of course, a limit order can only be filled if there's a seller willing to sell to you at that price or a buyer willing to buy from you at that price. So it's not a guarantee anyway. I digress because this is a dollar-cost average Show So we're going to get back to our dollar cost average uh, in a second. But where was I? So Bitcoin is currently worth 3,616 sats per dollar. That's a, almost an extra 200 sats per, per U.S. dollar that we're going to get this week over the last couple of weeks. So that is really cool. Uh, hopefully, this will be the first week in a while where we actually lower our average cost basis. I don't think we're going to get anywhere near the 100,000 sats per dollar we were getting when Bitcoin was you know below $20,000. Uh, per Bitcoin, but it's exciting that we're going to be able to get a few more sats than we were last week Anyway, you slice it. All right, so that block height puts us approximately 50,841 blocks away from the next Bitcoin halving. As you know, Bitcoin cuts the miner reward that miners find for mining the next block of Bitcoin in half every 210,000 blocks, which works out to about every four years. The last halving was in May of 2020, and it looks like the next halving is going to be on April 22nd of 2024 so tick tock next block either way we know that it will occur at block 840,000 and that's just over 50,000 blocks from now so that'll be really cool if you've never been around for a halving if this is your first halving uh, the halving is it's kind of like New Year's Eve in the Bitcoin community you know everybody gets together throws a big party it's a celebration Obviously, for the miners, it's kind of bittersweet because it means their profits are going to get cut in half for the time being. Because, you know, if you look at the price of Bitcoin and the miner reward one minute before the halving and then one minute after the halving, obviously, you're getting half the Bitcoin. The price hasn't adjusted yet. So uh, their, their profits look like they're getting cut in half. However, Every cycle, what has happened is approximately 6 to 18 months after the halving, Bitcoin has gone on an epic bull run and set a new all-time high. In fact, I believe, as we mentioned last month, it was about 6, last show, it was about 6 months after the halving before Bitcoin eclipsed its previous all-time high. Uh, And then about 18 months, we had a new all-time high. Uh, And then uh, the cycle starts over again, right? Okay, so back to the vital statistics. For those of you who care, Bitcoin currently has a market capitalization of 535.7 billion dollars, It's down almost 30 billion since last Wednesday, uh, and that is because the price of Bitcoin is down. There are a couple of factors that influence what a what a uh, investment or a, a in this case Bitcoin's market capitalization is, uh, but uh, the biggest factor, of course, is the current price, and since that's down. The market cap is down. Uh, and, you know, market cap doesn't really mean anything. It's kind of a made-up statistic because there really aren't $535.7 billion worth of Bitcoin in existence because if they all went on the market right now, that would dump the price of Bitcoin, so that price would change, right? But in theory, if you sold every single Bitcoin that's in existence at the current U.S. dollar value, that's where you would get that $535 billion. Uh, and of course, that is about half of where we were during the all-time high, when we were well over a bi- or well over a trillion market cap. So, um, you know, take it for what it's worth. It's it's just kind of a gauge to help you to help you visualize, you know, the state of Bitcoin, how much Bitcoin you know is worth if you uh, were to aggregate it into you know one giant transaction at the current at the current value. But uh, a lot of people don't like market capitalization because it is kind of misleading. Uh, as I explained, if you were to dump you know, all of the current Bitcoin in existence onto the market, uh, try and sell it all at once, obviously the price would be dramatically less than it is now. All right. Um, for those of you who value your wealth in shiny yellow rocks, in little round metal coins, it will currently cost you 13.6 ounces of gold to purchase just one Bitcoin. That's down a tiny bit uh from the 14 something ounces of gold it would have cost you last Wednesday and that's predominantly because of the price dip in bitcoin and uh, a little bit of it's because gold had been setting uh record highs as well and when i say record highs gold's up you know a fraction of a percent right now it's um you know it's more than it's been priced in in in, in it's more than it's ever been priced before when it sets a new all-time high but you know that we're talking you know, two thousand dollars versus one thousand nine hundred and eighty-seven dollars, kind of thing. So it's not a giant swing, despite the fact some of those gold bugs are still out there celebrating like they just made the deal of the century. Uh, you know, they the common saying is, and this isn't a gold show, so I'll get back to Bitcoin in here in a second. But the the common the common the common mantra of the gold bug is that you know, in Roman times, a one ounce gold coin would have bought you a toga, a belt, and a pair of sandals. When the uh, Federal Reserve was formed and we were on a gold standard in the early 1900s, one one-ounce one, one one gold coin would buy you a suit, a nice pair of shoes, and a belt. Today, what would $2,000 buy you? Basically, it would buy you a decent suit, right? A decent pair of shoes and a decent belt. I was in the market for a suit just last week because of uh, an event. And you, know, you can spend a heck of a lot more than that on a suit, obviously. But let's say you go to the mall, you go to JCPenney or Dillard's or whatever, and you buy one of their store brand suits i think it's going to cost you around you know $300 for a jacket, a couple hundred bucks for a pair of pants, maybe $100 for a pair of shoes. So, you know, that's the discount the budget the budget suit off the rack at you know at your at your big box store, your your, not your big box store but your mall anchor store. So, certainly it's the cheapest end of the spectrum, but you get the point. The point being that even though bitcoin's worth even though sorry gold is worth $2,000 an ounce, that really isn't buying you it's buying you exactly the same thing as it always has. And that's their deal. It's that it's a store of value, and that's what Bitcoin's uh, raison d'être. It's you know, it's 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 value proposition as well. That it's basically referred to as digital gold for a reason. With the exception that we're still early in Bitcoin. That people are are still discovering Bitcoin as digital gold. So it has the potential to uh, explode in value, and we've seen that. I mean, it's up and to the right since its inception, right? Obviously, Bitcoin goes in cycles where we have bull runs, and then we have quote-unquote crypto winners. But in general, if you zoom out, Bitcoin is marched up and to the right since it, since it very first traded for U.S. dollars or pizza or whatever, you know, the first trade uh, may have been before Laszlo traded Bitcoin for pizza on that very first Bitcoin pizza day. But my point being, uh, if Bitcoin... Increases in adoption, the price has the potential to increase as well. If Bitcoin just gets to the to uh, where you know the value of of Apple computer, for example, we'd be over a hundred thousand dollars per Bitcoin again, or not again. We'd be over a hundred thousand dollars per Bitcoin, uh, and when Bitcoin eclipses eclipses the uh, the the number of U.S. dollars, the number of euros, et cetera, that people have sunk into gold over the years, it will be you know million dollar Bitcoin or, or whatever. So, my point being. Bitcoin has all the properties of gold, but because we're so early, I firmly believe that it also has uh, the ability to generate you know, 10x, 20x returns easily if you just take a long-term per, per, uh, perspective, something that gold does not. You know, Gold might hold your value if you dump all your money into gold, if you sold, all your, if you sold your Bitcoin for 13.6 round gold coins and you held on to them for 20 years, uh, you'd be kicking yourself in the butt because you'd be able to take that uh, gold and cash it in and buy yourself a nice suit at the mall. Right. But what would you, what would that one Bitcoin purchase you 10, 20, 30 years from now? Probably a heck of a lot more than a suit. I don't think anyone out there thinks that Bitcoin doesn't have some price appreciation value. Even if you don't think we'll see $1 million Bitcoin. Uh, I don't think too many people argue that. I mean, other than like the, uh, then other than, other than like the Peter Schiffs who say Bitcoin's going to zero, uh, you know, most rational people, even not in Bitcoiners, think that Bitcoin will continue to increase in value, or at least go back up from where it's at. Since we're, uh, we're not, we're not at a low by any means, but we're kind of in a lull, right? Uh, and for those of you who follow, you know, if you, you follow Adam Meister at TechBald on Twitter, uh, he has his two hundred and ten thousand block theory that that corresponds to the having theory, that says that if you go back in time. Uh, Four years from now, or four years into the past, from any point in time, Bitcoin was worth less than that it is now. And for the most part, that's always been true, with the minor exception of one or two very narrow dates in time. Uh, But in general, that that is held true. And I think that most people assume that four years from now, Bitcoin will be worth more than it it currently is. uh, Dramatically so, potentially. For those of you who value your wealth in pizza, 1Bitcoin will currently purchase you 1,546 Papa John's pizzas. That is down a lot more than it would seem from last week, and that is because Papa John's increased the price of a large pepperoni pizza by about a dollar. Well, by exactly a $1, dollar, from $16.88 US dollars USD to $17.88, and that is an increase of about 5.9%, uh, which dovetails pretty closely to what we've been seeing with about 5.6% 5% inflation year over year, uh, and of course that's the official number. And we've seen certainly things that have increased by a lot more than five percent. But uh, the price of one Papa John's pizza did go up, and of course, that if you look at it, if you look at the value of Bitcoin and the value of those pizzas on a one day versus the next day basis, that might look like a big change. But again, zoom out; this too will be smoothed out in the test of time, and uh, in a couple of months from now, uh, you'll 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 see what I'm you'll see what I mean. But um, you know. You didn't expect the Papa John's index to stay exactly the same because with inflation ripping in the United States and Europe and everywhere else in the world, it was only a matter of time before they increased the price of their pizzas. Uh, But still, 1,546 large pepperoni pizzas is a heck of a lot of pizza for just one Bitcoin. Still going to feed your family for more than seven years for just one Bitcoin. That is a lot of food security and that is something you would have, uh, you couldn't do with a one ounce gold coin, right? Okay, for those of you who've been listening to the show, you know my favorite metric to follow is Bitcoin's 24-hour transaction rate, its on-chain transaction rate, and this is heavily distorted. It has been for the last two weeks. In general, under normal circumstances, anytime Bitcoin saw more than, say, 3.14 transactions per second, it was indicating that there was a healthy amount of on-chain activity, and that usually indicated that the price of Bitcoin was going up, in my experience, Right now, because of what's going on with ordinals and inscriptions and those BRC20 tokens, the mempool is absolutely clogged, and the number of transactions per second are higher than Bitcoin should be able to handle, because these are very tiny transactions, because they're basically only tying up the witness portion of the block. Uh, And so we are currently seeing a 24-hour transaction rate of 7.73 transactions per second. That is just insane, but it it kind of skews this metric because the price of bitcoin is 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 going down while the transaction rate is going up and until this ordinals inscriptions and uh, erc i'm sorry brc uh, nonsense goes away uh, that that metric is i guess out the window for now which is unfortunate and speaking of the mempool the mempool is is fairly clogged right now with 55 blocks worth of transactions pending in, 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 in the mempool at the at this moment, up from 39 blocks last week and way up from the 14 blocks four weeks ago, uh, and that is because, as I mentioned, those ordinals, those inscriptions, that are taking advantage of changes introduced to the Bitcoin code when uh, when Bitcoin adopted Taproot uh, to encode. JPEGs or whatever you want to write in the witness portion of, of the of the Bitcoin transaction uh, at a discounted fee, no less. And currently, there's something that uh, they're calling the BRC20 tokens, where people, instead of putting a, a JPEG in the Bitcoin transaction, are putting a little tiny snippet of code, which they're saying is responsible for issuing some S-coins, some altcoin. So they're, uh, they're trying to basically generate a whole bunch of S-coins on the Bitcoin blockchain to say that they're Bitcoin altcoins. Uh, and and uh sell them for, you know, whatever they can sell them for, get them listed on exchange. This is a fad. It's a scam and a fad that I think will probably go away. It will go away eventually because uh, you know, there's not an unlimited amount of money out there for people to just keep creating, you know, these altcoins at $30 a transaction or $50 a transaction. So, right now the way a lot of people are looking at this is this is just S coiners giving their money to Bitcoin miners. Uh, and hopefully that's the case. There doesn't seem to be a lot of people worried about this nonsense. It is clogging up the, the mempool and making things more expensive for people conducting on-chain. I'll get into that a little bit more in, in a minute once we finish the vital statistics. But at the moment, uh, there are a lot of transactions pending, and most of them are not actually Bitcoin. Uh, they're Bitcoin transactions, but they're not, they're not actually Bitcoiners moving Bitcoin around, moving Bitcoin to their wallets, per se. Along those lines, if you want to move your Bitcoin in an on-chain transaction, it is currently going to cost you. There's some controversy here because uh, I'm looking at Clark Moody's dashboard right now, and he's showing that to guarantee your transaction is included in the next block, it's going to require a minimum of 506 sats per V-byte. And that is a heck of a lot of money in U.S. dollars value at the current time. However, I'm also showing, if you look at the core fee helper on Twitter, they're estimating it would only cost two hundred and eighty point four um, sats per vbyte to get into the next transaction. That's substantially cheaper. Still sixteen dollars and sixty-seven cents USD to be included in the next transaction was uh which is a lot more than I've ever paid. Uh, Clark Moody's dashboard is saying that the average fee out there included in in the uh, in in the in the last block was closer to eighty-eight sats per vbyte, which would be about ten dollars and thirty cents uh, per per transaction uh to guarantee your transactions included within a day clark moody's estimating it will cost you 14 sats per byte which is a lot cheaper and that he's saying that one sat per byte will still sneak in if you have a week to wait and you know i guess if you have a transaction you need to do on chain right now uh you're, you're best to, to use a wallet that lets you use replaced by fee if you don't know what that is do your own research, but basically what it is is it allows you to, to send your transaction off to the mempool with a very low fee, and then if you've been waiting for a while and it hasn't confirmed, it hasn't been written into a block, then you can go back in and, and bump that fee to something higher to uh, hopefully speed it up and get it included sooner. Uh, so obviously I wouldn't spend 280 sats per byte to include my transaction on the next block under pretty much any circumstances I can think of unless I was trying to use Bitcoin to close on a house, or paying for like a liver transplant or something urgent, uh, I would set that fee low and see what happens. But definitely you want to use replace by fee so that if your transaction doesn't get mined, that it's not just stuck in the mempool until it expires. All right, we already talked about the 24-hour transaction rate and why I think that's bubkis. Uh, since we last spoke, the mining difficulty decreased fairly substantially. There was a mining difficulty adjustment downward of minus 1.5%, so it got 1.5% easier to mine the next block. Uh, that is That basically erased the 1.7% increase. Did this happen? This happened almost a week ago. I think it happened the day after the last episode. Uh, along those lines, we're 1,113 blocks away from the next mining difficulty adjustment. For those of you who don't know, the Bitcoin mining difficulty is adjusted every 2016 blocks, which works out to about every two weeks, uh, to try and target an average block time of 10 minutes between blocks. And depending on where you get your data, it looks like we're going to have another decrease. Now, Clark Moody's dashboard showing we're going to have a 0.5% decrease, but I'm looking at another estimator that thinks that we're going to actually end up with an increase by the time it's all said and done of 1.35%. So basically what that tells you is that we're, when, th- when we're this far out, who knows what's going to happen, but there's a range anywhere between a decrease of 0.5 and an increase of 1.35. All we can tell you for sure is that during this difficulty epic, blocks have been averaging 10 minutes and four seconds, and that is just slightly longer than the 10 minutes that Bitcoin wants it to take. So that would tell you that if the difficulty adjustment happened right now, we'd see a slight decrease. However, we have a week or so to go. It looks like the next increase is about a little over seven days. It's also going to be on a Thursday, Thursday, May eighteenth. So, seven and a half days from now, uh, and anything can happen between now and then. If 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 uh, you know more more hash power arrives on the network, or if miners just get lucky, if they're you know their luck in finding the next block goes up a bit, then maybe we will see an increase. Or maybe you know hash power decreases a bit, and we see a, a, a bigger decrease. Uh, really, this is just uh, this is just a kind of a gee whiz statistic when we're this far out because. Anything can happen in the next week uh, to increase or to influence whether we see an increase or a decrease. But in general, 10 minutes and four seconds is pretty close to that 10 minute mark. And so that's showing that the, the hash rate is fairly steady right now that's securing the Bitcoin network. Real quick, thanks for those of you listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 apps such as Fountain App or Breeze. We do not have any boosts to read to you at this time. I just checked. Seconds ago and nobody had sent a boost that I at least not one that's not buried. Looking at the wallet, uh the number of sats on the in the podcast wallet hasn't increased. So I'm assuming there aren't any transact any boosts out there that I'm missing. Uh but thanks of those to you, thanks of those. Thanks of those. Thanks to those of you who are listening, whether you choose to boost the podcast or not. Obviously, as you know, podcasting 2.0 allows you to basically tip a podcast with like a one-time boost or to stream a podcast, sats on a minute-per-minute basis, the value-per-value model, where if you feel like you're getting one Satoshi's worth of value from listening to this podcast, you could stream one Satoshi per minute. If you thought you were getting 10 sats worth of value, you could stream 10 sats per minute. If you were a whale and you thought this podcast is so wonderful, you wanted to stream us 1,000 sats per minute, uh, you could do that as well. Or if you want to listen to the end and then decide, you know what, that was a great podcast, or you have something you just want to say, Uh, you can send a boost. And the cool thing about a boost is it is a lightning message. So in addition to a tip, uh, you can tell us what you think. And if you do send a boost and it's uh, not something obscene or a shill that I can't read, uh, we read those on the following podcast. The geographic distribution of listeners has changed a little bit again last week. It had changed for the first time in a month with Australia coming into the scene, bumping the UK to take the 10th 10th uh, place with the number of listeners the being the 10th most uh, popular country where, you're, where your listeners are listening from. Australia has sadly dropped off the charts, and we've had a tiny bit of a move uh, in other countries as well. At the moment, what the first first five countries remain the same. 51% of you are listening from the United States. 13% of you are listening from Argentina. 7% of you are listening from Germany. 4% of you are listening from Luxembourg. 3% of you are listening from Colombia. And then this is where things change. Sweden has dropped down uh, a, couple of, a couple of points. Sweden used to be number 6. Now Canada has bumped up to number 6. with so 2% of you are listening from Canada. 7% of you are listening from Spain at 2%. 8% of you are listening from Venezuela at 2%. And Sweden is now number 9 because only 1% of you are listening from Sweden. So listeners, somebody has dropped off in Sweden. Um, maybe they're on vacation. Who knows? But this week, Sweden's dropped down to number nine. Maybe it's because I didn't know how to say hello in Swedish. But that's on you. If you want me to know how to say hello in Sweden in Swedish, to say hello to someone in Sweden, or to say thank you to those of you who are listening in Sweden, and thank you to those of you, you can very easily help me figure out how to say it by just sending a boostogram like Leggy sent when he told us that, uh, that to say hello in Luxembourg, you say Morian Uh, he sent that in the form of a boost, and now I know how to say hello to you in Luxembourg. Uh, So hopefully someone out there is listening from Sweden and can tell us how to say hello or thank you or whatever they want us to say from Sweden. UK is back in the top 10, with 1% of you listening from the United Kingdom. That rounds out the top 10, but France has been sneaking up the charts. They're just out of the top 10 at number 11. So bonjour to you, those of you listening in France. Hopefully more of you join the podcast, and maybe France will move up uh, that remains to be seen all right, so the big news out there uh is well uh the price of bitcoin obviously is down a little bit. The stock markets were mixed today because the inflation numbers came out, and inflation I guess showed a little bit of a cooling obviously the official the official inflation statistics are bogus because you know, if you go to the grocery store or if you go to the, you know, the, 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 the department store to buy anything, you know that it's dramatically more expensive than it was this time last year, more than just 5% more expensive. Although the Papa John's pizza rings in pretty close to those, that 5% statistic with a 5.9% increase in their prices. So, but you know, a carton of eggs being $7 is certainly a lot more than a 5% increase, more like a 700% increase. So uh, those numbers are kind of BS. And that's that's kind of the big news. The real big news, though, if you're a Bitcoiner, still is the ordinals, the inscriptions, those BRC20 tokens, which are clogging up the mempool. The vast majority of the opinion out there in on crypto Twitter or on Reddit or any Bitcoiners that I've spoken to is that this too shall pass. I'm in that camp. I think that this is a fad and that will go away in a couple of months. We won't be talking about ordinals and inscriptions as much as we are now. Uh, but at the same time, don't let your guard down because what this has shown is that for someone who wanted to attack the network or spam the network there is a way to increase bitcoin fees to make the to, to give bitcoiners a headache uh, to make it more difficult to do those on-chain transactions there are people out there with an interest in spamming the network we saw this four years ago during the hash wars when there were some s coiners out there who had forked off a of bitcoin and wanting to sh- they were wanting to sell big blocks and sell their coin as bitcoin but with eight megabyte blocks or whatever so uh, they're still out there. They've, they're have they trending towards zero in Bitcoin terms, but there are people out there who uh, are watching and probably contemplating whether they want to waste any of their money trying to spam the network. The other opinion is that this is going to hasten uh, the adoption of the Lightning Network, and that is certainly true. I've always said that 10 years from now, when people think of Bitcoin, they're going to think of the Lightning Network, that you and I will not be transacting on-chain. That only banks, countries, and whales will be attract. will be transacting on chain. Sure, maybe you might move your cold storage around and do a huge transaction from one wallet to another, uh, and that would be done on chain. But in general, for the most part, when you think of Bitcoin, you're going to think about whipping out your Lightning Network wallet and making a transaction on the Lightning Network. That is not affected at all by ordinals and inscriptions, unless you're opening or closing new channels. But you really don't, uh, you really don't open and close channels all that often. I have a Lightning node and I haven't opened or closed any channels in months. I'm still using the same channels. I did a little bit of channel management only because one of the nodes that I had a channel open to closed didn't exist anymore and I wanted to add an additional channel with some additional liquidity, so I did that. Fortunately, I did that when it was cheap. You know, did it for one sat per byte, uh, but I digress. There's also plenty of people out there using uh, custodial Lightning wallets or semi-custodial Lightning wallets where you know, channel management isn't as important. To some extent, that's a little bit of a cop-out because, yes, Bitcoin transactions, Bitcoin mining fees uh, will replace the miner reward one day by by necessity. Every time we have a halving, the amount of physical Bitcoin that miners get as a reward for finding the block gets cut in half. Eventually, it will be zero, and the only thing that's going to keep miners in business will be the fees we're paying. But as I've said on Twitter, etc., the point of fees subsidizing the bitcoin network instead of the reward isn't that one satoshi will be worth $1000 it'll be that that one satoshi uh, it'll be that the one, I'm sorry that the one satoshi might be worth a dollar or you know the 1000 satoshi fee might be worth $1000 one day not that you have to pay 120,000 satoshis to uh, to mine a transaction because you know there are people out there that are transferring to their hardware wallet every 100,000 sats you know, I like to transfer in, in increments a little bit larger than that, but I have some smaller, some smaller UTXOs in that in that in that ballpark. And if fees are 120 or 150 30, fifty thousand satoshis to to get a transaction mined, well then your hundred thousand satoshis are dust. They're unspendable, right? And that's not the point. So there are people celebrating this or doing the C I Told You So. This is how, you know, this is how fees take over for the mining reward, the mining subsidy. And guys, that's not the way this happens. The way this happens is every time we have a halving, Bitcoin gets more expensive. So yeah, the the amount of Bitcoin went... In the last halving, for example, the amount of Bitcoin went from like 12.5 to 6.25 that a miner got for mining a new block, the mining reward. You know, they get more because pe- they also get the fees. But the mining reward went from 12.5 to 6.25. But at the previous halving, Bitcoin was worth about $10,000. And right now, Bitcoin's worth just under $30,000. So... The fees have tripled in value without increasing the number of satoshis that you were that you were paying. Um, I'm having a hard time potentially, possibly articulating this, but what I'm saying is that miners will be able to make their money off of fees just because Bitcoin will be more valuable when bitcoin's worth a million dollars, one Satoshi is worth a penny as opposed to you know thirty satoshi's or so for a penny right now. So you know that's thirty x, and so miners would be making substantially more off of their satoshis than they would off of, you know, off the satoshi fees than they would off of the the bit of Bitcoin that they get as part of reward uh, for for mining the block. So that's just going to happen naturally. We don't need congestion to achieve that. All right, so that is all the news I really wanted to talk about this week. Everything out there is pretty much noise, in my opinion. As Adam Meister's 210,000 block theory says, and I just referenced that a couple of minutes ago, but I'm going to again because basically we are repeating 2019. And in 2019, Bitcoin was basically sideways. Now, if you were watching the charts and constantly staring at the price, you would say it wasn't sideways, it was all over the place. But in general, it went up from like 3,500 to like 10,000 and crashed back down to 3,000 and it zigged and it zagged. But in general, if you zoomed out, it stayed flat for most of 2019. And that's what you should expect from this year if history repeats or even rhymes. When we hit the last halving, Bitcoin was approximately $10,000 per Bitcoin which was about 50% of the value of its all-time high. So that means that if we do that again, Bitcoin should be in the you know 30 dollars or $40,000 range at the next halving, uh, without getting a crystal ball and making a prediction. I'm saying that if we zig and zag, but basically go sideways, Bitcoin, sure it may drop, who knows? Maybe we'll see 20000 Bitcoin again. Maybe we'll see $45,000 Bitcoin again, but it should basically go sideways between now and the next halving. Uh, if history repeats, the next halving date should put us in the $40,000 range. And then after that, maybe a couple of months later, Bitcoin will eclipse that $69,000 all-time high. And then maybe a year after the having, or 18 months after the having, we'll see that blow off all-time high of $200,000, $300,000, who knows, a million. That's you know what, what you really need a crystal ball to foretell where, where Bitcoin's going to top out of the next bull run. If you follow plan B and his stock-to-flow model, you will know that he's saying that his range is that bitcoin could be anywhere between 200,000 and a million uh, and that's a huge range and uh, and that's because you know it's just a guide right it's just a it's just a it's just a it's just a tool to, to give you an idea of where bitcoin might be in the future and that's all i'm saying is if the past rhymes with the future then this is 2019, and you should not expect to see a new all-time high. And you should not expect to see a new all-time high until after the having, until several months after the halving. And the having is going to be about April 22nd of next year, so more than a year from now until you should expect to see a new all-time high. That doesn't mean you shouldn't stack all the sats you can. In the meantime, it doesn't mean Bitcoin won't double in price between now and then. It just means that you should not expect to see Bitcoin go on just a face-melting bull run uh, until after the halving. All right, back to the reason we're here, and that is because we are not trying to time the markets. We are dollar-cost averaging, and today is DCA Wednesday. And DCA is short for dollar-cost averaging, which is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. For example, this will be our 94th stack. We started this experiment on Wednesday, July 28th, 2021, and we've stacked every Wednesday since then. We've stacked $20 every Wednesday, and so far, we've stacked 93 Wednesdays for a total of $1,860, U.S. including $41.85 in fees. And that has amassed us a stockpile of 6,443,596 sats, currently worth about $1,870-ish. Currently worth on the round, I'm sorry, it's currently worth about $1,800. So we're a little bit underwater. Um, we had been in a profit for a little bit. There the last couple weeks, but with Bitcoin back down, uh, that's worth less. But that is a good thing because our average cost basis is currently $28,865.87. And hopefully we're going to knock that down a little bit today because we're buying you know, a little bit cheaper. We're buying $1,000 cheaper than our average cost basis. So more importantly, last week we were only able to stack 67,000 sats. So we're going to get a few more Satoshis for our stack this week. To do that stack as usual, we're gonna use the handy-dandy Cash App. I still love Cash App because while they are not the cheapest, they do charge about a two and a quarter percent fee. They're just super easy. Uh, They will let me transfer money to Cash App, let me purchase Bitcoin with that money, and let me transfer that Bitcoin to my hardware wallet immediately with no delays. There are plenty of other options out there, but a lot of them that I've been watching have been tightening up those policies a little bit. for example, they might let you spend your money right away, but they'll make you wait a week before they'll let you transfer it to your hardware wallet. Or if you do a wire transfer, for example, they might not let you even spend that money until that wire transfer settles. And that could take five business days or longer. So the 45 cent fee we're going to spend to invest $20 is a higher percentage than if we were to you know, be on an exchange that uh, charged you 1%. But it's negligible when we're investing a small amount like $20. Uh, and I think the other benefit that outweighs that fee is that Cash App will let us transfer our Bitcoin. Uh, they won't let us transfer $20 of the Bitcoin for free. But if we have 100,000 sats for the Bitcoin, or I forget what the number is, but we only transfer about a million dollars of the sats anyway. So by the time we have built our stack up to the point where I want to transfer it to my hardware wallet, they're going to let me do that for free. <laughs> Hopefully it stays that way because fees can, have gotten gone through the roof. But you know if we spend 45 cents in fees and we do that 10 times so we spend $4.50 in in fees to make that stack but then we would have spent $10 in the mining fee to move it from another exchange that doesn't let you transfer for free well we've we've made up for that more than you know that's more than twice what we would have paid in mining fees so i think it works out uh, they are not a sponsor of the show i'm not shilling cash app i'm just explaining to you why i use it as usual do your own research cash app is not even available necessarily where you're listening. So, uh, you know, that's a decision for you to make. And hopefully if you're listening to the show, you already have an exchange or an app that you're buying Bitcoin on. Uh, And for those of you thinking two and a quarter percent, well, that's outrageous. And the, the mining fee doesn't count because I can move to my wallet for free too. And I mine, you know, I stack with like say Strike, for example. Strike doesn't charge any fees. That is true. But beware because most of the services that don't charge a quote unquote fee charge a spread which means, for example, if Bitcoin is worth $27,600 $27, and whatever dollars, let's say $27,000, they might charge you 27400 They marked that price of, the, of Bitcoin up. And a couple of episodes ago, I did a comparison between Cash App and Strike, and I mentioned that specifically. And at the time, the markup that Strike was charging was like 3.4%. So it actually worked out more than that two and a quarter. Even though it looks like you're trading without any fees, uh, everybody has got to make a buck, right? They're not offering these services for free. So they're making their profits somehow. And so even though you might be paying a lower fee, either you're going to pay a mining fee to move it or you're going to pay a spread. And so, again, do your own research. You might find a way to buy Bitcoin cheaper that works out better for you. We're going to use Cash App. So I'm opening up the handy-dandy Cash App. As I mentioned, I don't keep any money on my Cash App because I have a little debit card that they also let me spend, spend with. And I use that when I'm in touristy places like where I live. And if you're in a touristy place, you send, you seem to end up being a victim of identity theft more often than, than when you're say, in, you know, Grand Island, Nebraska. And I don't know, maybe identity theft is bad in Grand Island, Nebraska, but you get my point. Uh, I don't like to have any money on my cash app card because if someone does steal it, they can't take my money. And that's why I don't use like my regular debit card because if they clone it, they can wipe out your checking account. So I have a debit card I can use. For example, when I was uh, in Mexico or in the Caribbean um, a couple of weeks ago, I didn't use my regular debit card. I used, I used my alternative debit cards. Uh, and so I wasn't risking identity theft with my main bank account. And that's another benefit that I like for using Cash App. All right, so I've already got my money moved to Cash App. Uh, I'm going tapping on Buy Bitcoin, tapping $20. Tap in Confirm, and voila, just like that, we have purchased another 70,627 sats. That is 3, about 3,400 sats uh, more than we purchased for $20 just a week ago. Uh, that is going to increase our stack to 6,514,223 sats and perhaps as importantly that's lowering our average cost basis to $28,859.93 still more than what bitcoin is currently worth in u.s dollar terms but that's decreased by five dollars and 94 cents this is the first time in over a month that we've been able to knock that number down when bitcoin was really on sale we were knocking it down by two or three hundred dollars at a whack and that's why our average cost basis is only $28,859 even though we purchased as expensive as you know, $56,000 when Bitcoin was setting all-time highs. Uh, but that's the beauty of dollar-cost averaging, and that is what we've seen so far, is that even though we started in what most people might consider a really bad time to begin our investment, I mean, we started in 2021 after the halving, during the bull run, right? So we missed out on the super cheap $10,000 Bitcoin, and we bought all the way up to the all-time high, but we've also bought all the way down. And we've been buying consistently while Bitcoin's going sideways, and as a result, our average purchase is substantially lower than if you'd yoloed in. Uh, if you'd yoloed in that very first day, uh, our very first investment uh, back on July twenty uh, eighth of twenty twenty one, you would have yoloed in at thirty nine thousand seven hundred sixteen dollars, and that is substantially more expensive than the twenty seven thousand six hundred eighty dollars and fifty cents we just purchased Bitcoin at. So, all right, that is pretty cool, and uh, I'm super excited. And hopefully, Bitcoin goes down more. You know, because the lower Bitcoin is in U.S. dollar terms, the more Sats are going to stack. And the only thing that matters is that when Bitcoin when Bitcoin sets that new all time high, four years after that, when they set yet another all time high, or when we achieve hyper Bitcoinization, when we break out of the four year cycle, and Bitcoin is just, you know, the reserve currency of the world or whatever you believe Bitcoin will be one day. Either way, Bitcoin, even if the adoption just doubles and Bitcoin goes through the roof, but isn't, there isn't hyperbitcoinization yet, or maybe hyperbitcoinization doesn't ever occur. It doesn't become the global reserve currency, but it just becomes another asset that people trade that's better than gold, better than real estate. There's still tremendous value for the price to appreciate. And when it does, what matters is that you have enough sets. When Bitcoin sets its new all-time high, let's say it's 100,000, let's say it's 200,000, let's say it's a million, it's going to be really, really expensive to add Satoshis to your stack. And you're going to be kicking yourself for every dollar you could have invested that you didn't invest. And the whole idea is to not be that guy saying, man, I wish I had bought when Bitcoin was cheaper. I wish I had amassed a stack because now it's too late. And guys, it's never too late. But people always feel like it's too late. And that's one of the benefits of starting this podcast in the middle of the last bull run uh, people were already saying they were too late and clearly we've proven that you were not too late you know july 2021 because even just stacking 20 dollars a week uh, we've put together a pretty sizable stack of sats and uh and that will, that will always be the case you're you're never really too late until until hyper bitcoinization and then it's not a bad idea it's just you don't you're going to miss out on you're going to miss out on gains that you could have had and so, yeah, you missed out on a tremendous amount of gains you could have made. If you had purchased on Bitcoin, it was only a dollar. But if you're like me and you believe that Bitcoin will be infinitely more valuable than it is right now, there are still a lot of gains to be made. But that should not be why you're here. You should be here because when Bitcoin is the reserve currency of the world, when it is the dollar you know, the dollar replacement, when it is the currency of choice for people all over the world, that you have a, sack, a stack of sats uh, that you can rely on, that you've built... A part of a nest egg, a savings account that you've built, a chunk of wealth uh, that you can secure your future and your family's future with, and that's what it's all about for me. Uh, I want to stack every sat I can. So when Bitcoin's on sale, that makes me happy. You know, when Bitcoin's at a new all-time high, that makes me happy too. Because human psychology, you look at your, you look at your stack and you compare it to whatever the frame of reference in your country is. Currently, that's probably the U.S. dollar for 51% of us, or the euro for another big chunk of us. So to look at our stack and say, oh, it's worth a hundred thousand dollars, you know, feels good. So you're gonna feel well, you're gonna feel fantastic regardless when Bitcoin uh reaches hyper bitcoinization, but only if you haven't missed out. And that's what you have the opportunity to do today. You have the opportunity to grow that stack to follow along. Again, this is not financial advice. This is just my opinion. Uh my this is just uh entertainment. This is just for information and entertainment purposes that but hopefully you find it Uh, useful when you are out there doing your own research and that you can look back at other people's experiences including mine use that however you may but again do your own research do your own opinion make form your own opinion when you do uh, i personally think you're going to agree with me and hopefully you agree with me before it's too late to add to that stack Uh, and for those of you who do We will see you next Wednesday. And every Wednesday while we work on growing that stack, while there's still Satoshis out there to purchase, while people are still willing to take our rusty coins and our our tattered US dollars or euros and exchange them for the most, you know, the, the hardest money ever discovered by man. But until that time, however it works out for you, keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.